0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to h pack Engineering's monthly podcast, h on the Air. I'm your host, Rob McManamy, Editor-in-Chief of h Engineering Magazine. This month, as we enter an already sweltering summer, our subject is refrigerants, appropriately enough, and our guest today is Jim Sika, Director of PMG Technical Resources for the International Code Council, where he serves as a subject matter expert for the plumbing, mechanical, fuel, gas, and swimming pool and spa codes. Jim represents ICC in federal and state coalitions, task forces, committees, and councils where expertise in I-code subjects is required. With more than 20 years of industry experience in manufacturing and construction, including time as an HVAC design engineer, he holds a mechanical engineering degree from the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta. Jim, welcome to HVAC On The Air.
1: Thank you, Rob, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you today. As you mentioned, uh, I am a director of PMG technical resources for the International Code Council. And I've been in this role for uh, over the past five years uh, serving in this capacity, uh, as you discussed. Uh, I do have a degree in mechanical engineering from Georgia Tech. And I did start my career as an HVAC design consultant. Uh, But from there, uh, I shifted my focus to appliance manufacturing Uh, Where over about 20 years, I served as a chief engineer responsible for regulatory product standards, building codes, and product engineering matters for manufacturers of water heating and space heating appliances. So as uh, many of the listeners may know, the energy efficiency of products from those sectors is regulated by the Department of Energy. Uh, What they may not know is that uh, EPA regulates many of the materials and chemicals, uh, including the refrigerants that are used in the manufacturing of those products. Uh, I've spent a lot of time and energy over the past 20 years helping the companies i worked with and and their customers to prepare for and plan for the changes in the federal regulations imposed by these agencies. Many of my experiences from the past are similar to what we're going to you know, going through with the R industry
0: today uh, in regards to for refrigerants. Okay, well, well thanks. And uh, I guess it, yeah, maybe we should just dive into re- refrigerants uh, right now, um, since there's so much going on there. Um, now, last year, EPA issued a new rule under the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act of 2020, and the rule will mandate an 85% phase down in HFC refrigerants over the next 15 years. So already more sustainable A2L refrigerants are starting to be ushered in uh, to take their place and codes are being changed accordingly. Now, um, you wrote on this subject for ICC earlier in the year. Um, I guess, can you give us a, an update on related code change proposals that reflect the, those new refrigerant standards?
1: Uh, sure thing. Uh, let's Before I get into necessarily the code changes, let's first look at the, the EPA regulations going in back in time just a little bit. So. Back in the 1990s, EPA initiated the phase out of the CFC and HCFC refrigerants, the chlorinated or partially chlorinated refrigerants, due to the breakdown of the ozone layer. Uh, CFCs and HCFCs were replaced with the hydrofluorocarbon refrigerant or the HFCs that we're currently using. Uh, Those have a zero potential to deplete the ozone layer, and at the time, the HFC refrigerants were a good fit to fill the void left by the elimination of the CFCs and HCFCs. You know, one thing though, however, is that uh, HFCs are found to be a potent potent greenhouse gas uh, with a medium to high global warming potential, uh, which could cause long-term harm to the environment. And, and this brings us to the EPA's latest rules, which, as you mentioned, were under the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act of 2020, mandating the 85% phase down in the production and the consumption of HFC refrigerants over the next 15 years. So just as the HFC refrigerants replaced the void left by CFCs and HCFCs, the phase down of HFCs has ramped up acceptance of the other class of refrigerants, as you mentioned, you know, to fill the void. So last year, the EPA adopted a final rule accepting six refrigerant alternatives for use in new residential and light commercial air conditioners and and heat pumps. These lowered global warming potential alternatives, R32, R452B, R454A, R454C, and R457A, are classified by ASHRAE as A2L refrigerants. So the A2L uh, subgroup is categorized by ASHRAE standard 34 is a class of refrigerants that has low toxicity and low flammability and ha- has a significantly lower global warming potential than the HFCs. The HFCs do fall under ASHRAE's A1 group, which is, uh, has no flammability. The key differentiation being the A2Ls have a, are mildly flammable and A2, A1s are not. Uh, the A2Ls have been used safely globally for years with more than 68 million air conditioning units being used around the around the globe that are using A2Ls. Uh, However, the A2Ls for use in residential and like commercial are new to the US. These replacement refrigerants have different flammability characteristics. So safety, training, and of particular interest here today, building codes had to be addressed. The 2021 and earlier versions of the building codes don't allow A2L refrigerants to be used for human comfort use, uh, for air conditioning of, of your homes and your businesses. There were safety concerns about the flammability of the A2L refrigerants that impacted their acceptance uh, within the codes. On the standards side, however, safety standards for air conditioning systems such as ASHRAE 15, UL484, and others were all updated and include coverage for A2L refrigerants. With these standards now in place and the flammability concerns being resolved through some recent analysis by AHRI and some testing performed by UL, the 2024 international building codes were recently updated to include A2Ls. Changes have been made to the building fire and mechanical codes, making them consistent with the ASHRAE, UL and other standards addressing the A2Ls. So with these changes, the 2024 IBC, IFC and IMC, will permit the use of A2L refrigerants for human comfort uses, consistent with the industry standards. And and that will help to facilitate the phase down of HFCs following the EPA rules. So these these changes are extremely important as the EPA phase down of HFCs mandates a 40% reduction in the production of HFCs beginning in January, 2024.
0: And, uh, and you mentioned the, the IMC there before, and I guess with those imp- important changes that, that are going into, into those codes, among others, I guess, wh- how are you advising? I mean, it seems like a, it's been building for a long time, but a lot of, a lot of changes seem to be almost uh, upon us. So how, how are you, uh, I guess, uh, suggesting that HVACR uh, uh, professionals can best prepare for all these changes, uh, uh, wh- whether it's education or, or whatnot, how, how can they change? Uh, prepare for the and train for the changes that are coming in with the new codes,
1: would you say? This is a great question. And to me, it's really a multifaceted question. So, you know, looking first at the key code changes to the 2024 mechanical code, uh, the code's going to require risk of fire warning labels for A2L piping, you know, due to its flammability. You'll see requirements for building shafts that contain A2L piping including uh, requirements for continuous ventilation and requirements for leak detections within the the shaft. Uh, Looking at the machinery rooms housing A2L refrigerant, uh, they cannot contain flame producing equipment or equipment with uh, continuously hot surfaces above 1290 degrees Fahrenheit. Machinery rooms also will require the refrigerant detectors that signal an alarm and activate the room ventilation system uh, complying with the ASHRAE 15 standard. In addition to these, the CODA, it will limit the amount of A2L refrigerant that can be used within an air conditioning system used for human comfort. Residential systems will have a limited maximum capacity of 6.6 pounds of refrigerant, where the commercial systems will have a limit maximum up to 22 pounds of refrigerant. So those are the most important changes that need to be addressed based on the changes to the codes and and those can be easily addressed through the design process, you know, the HVAC engineers and such. Where things get tricky and my multifaceted (laughs) comment is is when you're planning for the future, it comes with that EPA 40% phase down requirement for 2024. By January 2024, we have to be 40% lower than where we are
0: before the act. So that's by the end of next year.
1: Yes. Yeah, we're a year and a half away. So basically, you know, my thought on it is we need to look at the adoption of the 2024 codes Mm -hmm. or at a minimum adoption of the code provisions contained in the 2024 codes that that do permit the A2Ls for comfort conditioning. Another thing we need to look at is the uh, supply chain for the availability of the air conditioning systems that utilize A2L refrigerants. And lastly, then, we need to look at the contractor network for installation and for servicing. And like you said, this is training, and there's a lot of things I'll kind of hit on a little further. But but looking at code adoption, so right now, the majority of U.S. jurisdictions adopt the 2012, 15, 18, or the 21 codes. The 2024 codes aren't even available for adoption yet. So the Code Council, right now, we're working with state and local jurisdictions to get them ready for 2024. With the federal mandate for this transition to go smoothly, it's going to be absolutely necessary for them to have measures in place to allow the use of A2L refrigerants beginning in 2024. You know, when we look at the supply chain and the manufacturers, you have to understand that due to the flammable nature of A2L refrigerants, you can't convert equipment that uses HFCs to use A2Ls. And as with the uh, previous EPA phase downs going back to the 90s, much of the refrigerant that's gonna be still, uh, still be produced at that time, it's gonna be needed for maintenance of existing equipment that's already out there in the marketplace. So what this means is that the manufacturers essentially have that one and a half years to transition their manufacturing process to produce the new equipment that utilizes the A2L refrigerants. And they'll also need to fill the supply chain with that product prior to January of 2024. So much of this is already being addressed by AHRI and other groups that represent the manufacturers. So there's a lot of work going down that road already, but there's a lot of concern that whether or not we're really gonna be ready for that transition to take place and what the implications of that 40% reduction are gonna have on what's currently in the supply chain and and stuff like that. So, you know, when we look at the contractors, both installers and service contractors, there's a whole completely different set of issues to to address and and contractors need to confirm that the tools and instruments they use today are compatible with the A2L refrigerants where standard hand tools and wrenches are gonna be the same. They'll need to to verify that vacuum pumps, leak detectors, And their uh, refrigerant recovery equipment is going to be compatible with the A2L refrigerants. They may find that what they're currently using today won't be suitable come January 1. So you've got a whole other supply chain issue of whether or not there's going to be enough of those, that equipment and tools out there for them come 2024. You know, they're also going to need to review and understand the new requirements and procedures uh, related to the handling of the in the use of the A2L, so there's a whole other set of requirements and things, so there's a lot to look at, and, you know, once again, AHRI is doing a lot of work on trying to get training out there. I know we at at the Code Council, you know, we're working with our local jurisdictions, but we're also looking to develop some training to help prepare for that.
0: Earlier, we mentioned uh, benefits of being an early adopter. Right. Actually, actually, I was even wondering, how does that uh, if the code's not even available yet, how early can an early adapter uh, adapt? <laughs> I guess.
1: You know, that's the it's kind of the conundrum we're in because of the the regulation that's in place at the federal level. Mm-hmm. It's incumbent upon us to work with our membership and local jurisdictions to make sure that there is something in place for that to to not. Uh, we can't be a hurdle. Codes can't be a hurdle to that requirement. It's going to have to happen, and we have to, you know, find a way to do that. And, and you know, we're at the very early stages of, of, you know, we just finalized the 2024 code. So now, you know, what we're looking at is going back, you know, as I said, there's jurisdictions that are on the 2012 codes and, you know, up through the 21. So we're on our part, we're going to go back and look at, okay, if you're on the 2021 or the 2012, say you're on the 2012 codes, what would it require for you to amend that code to meet the intent of the 2024s, so, you know, what provisions would you need to write into, you know, be it an emergency situation or whatever you have to do in that jurisdiction to either legislation or whatever it may be, to allow those to uh, to go in safely and and, and meet uh, the intent of the 24 code. So, That's kind of where I see things. I mean, you know, looking at the benefits of being an early adopter, you know, looking Mm -hmm. at contractors, the manufacturers, distributors, and all that. In this case, I really look at that as, uh, you know, I put at the very top of that list, your your biggest benefit is that you're going to survive this transition. It's Mm -hmm. survival is, you know, very important thing to look at here because, you know, come January 24, you know, you're going to need the things in place that lets you continue to do business as usual. It's, you know, unlike with the previous phase out, you know, this does require new equipment. It does have new requirements, you know, distributors, wholesale distributors and stuff have to look at the storage requirements that are required for flammable refrigerants versus non-flammables. Where before they could carry an unlimited supply in their warehouse, now they're limited by code, you know, how much can be in a certain room or, you know, or in their warehouse. So you have to take these things into consideration
0: and planning needs to start now. It it shouldn't wait. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like time is of the essence uh, for sure. Now, I mean, guess, given that, I guess just I know our time's limited here as well, but just the my last question would just be where can folks go to find uh, more, recent, re- more resources to help them uh, do that planning that you just uh, referenced uh, um, at this point? I, I assume ICC has, has things available, or, or what do you suggest at this point? Whether it's uh, AHRI or or where can, where can folks go from ICC standpoint on the code side?
1: If, you know, and you know we have a website, which our, our main website is ICCSafe.org, but if add forward slash PMG to that, and you'll go to our PMG resources, which are the plumbing, mechanical, fuel gas. Well, we'll have resources that we'll be posting. Um, articles, you know, documents, things that we find that are important for these and, and other PMG code related things at that site. So, you know, we, we try to drive people to our website. From there, you have access to all of our team members. You know, I'm a PMG director and I cover the southeastern United States. We have four others that, you know, cover across the other states and uh, we're all accessible through that website, our, our contact information, email, phone numbers. So people can reach out to us uh and we can address any code issues. You mentioned AHRI and I've mentioned them earlier. They are uh doing a lot of work right now. You know, again, the the manufacturers they represent are, you know, there's a lot of concern of what happens come January 2024. And, you know, how is the industry, you know, they can only make the product, but they can't, you know, make sure that everything else is in place. It's, you know, really you know, we've had so many supply issues in recent months. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I think that's really throwing up flags to the industry that, hey, we need to make sure that we don't have supply chain issues that, you know, when this
0: change comes about. Oh, that's, that is a very good point as far as when the, when the supply chain issues are going to improve on their, when well, not on their own, but when they're going to improve. Yeah. Um, so I guess, Jim, that that's I, this, I know it's a lot of information for, for our listeners and, uh, and readers, and, and we'll have to, Um, Actually, when when we we post this, we'll we'll try to have those resources and links to the various uh, folks you're talking about, uh, your colleagues at ICC there, the other uh, regional PMG directors. Um, But uh, again, I thank you so much for your time here today. Hopefully, we can bring bring you back uh, in a year or so. Uh, We'll see how things are going. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit uh, uh, further along, I guess, as we get closer to the deadline. Exactly. So, um, Jim, I guess that is all we have time for today. Thanks so much for joining us on h on the air this month. Uh, hopefully we can touch base again down the road. And again, thank you uh, for all your time. Um, now that said, thanks again to our listeners for joining us. And if you like what you heard here today on h on the air, please hit like and subscribe to our podcast. And we encourage you to share this with friends and colleagues as well. Uh, thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Jim. And uh, please stay safe and cool out there this steamy summer.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Rob.